You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. So today we're just going to be diving into the Facebook group. There's a massive backlog of questions and comments, so we're going to start sifting through that. There hasn't been a training camp since the uh, preseason game. There is going to be today at 1.30, so we'll get a little bit more information about how everybody's doing um you know injuries and whatnot so we've got uh training camp practice today at 1 30 tomorrow at 1 30 30 uh tuesday there is practice but it's not public because we're starting to get into now we're getting into serious stuff so this is when they're really going to dive into not just scheme but specifically game planning i believe tuesday is going to be game planning for thursday against the raiders um not positive about that um, but then after that game, we're, it's going to go dark for a while. So basically, Thursday the 22nd is the game against the Raiders, and then um, we're not going to have any more public practices. Uh, and we won't see the Packers until the game against the Chiefs. And then um, after that, I think it's it goes dark until the uh, Packer game against the Bears, which fortunately is only a week later because, you know, we're playing on Thursday. So we're, we're getting uh, very, very close, and we're only going to be able to actually hear or see anything about the Packers um, f- four more times, two training camps, and then two um, preseason games. So it, it kind of stinks, but it's almost I, th- I almost think it's kind of healthy because things are getting a little out of control with uh, speculation, people getting way too hyped up. I also posted something on Twitter the other day, and I think people took it out of context, which maybe is my fault. I don't know. It, it, it was a gif. And I guess it can be a little bit up to interpretation. But if anybody was wondering, I'm not implying that I think Rashawn Gary is a bust. That was not my intention with that gif. Anyways, point is, people are just getting, I mean, every bit of information is just being turned into something dumb. And maybe it's just time we just stop and check out until week one. But anyways, that's the, uh, that's going to be the agenda. So uh, we'll we'll do this little song and dance, and then probably sometime during the dark period, I'll start working on the 53 predictions, and then the uh, the cutdowns will happen, and uh, we got uh, football, like real football, like you know, no more of this. It's preseason. Let's wait until the regular season stuff. If somebody's bad, then you know they're just bad. Not that they're gonna be bad forever, but it, I mean this counts. It's not like well, it's just a practice. They're not trying. There's no real scheme. But no, no, this is uh, this is it. This is what we planned for. This was our plan coming in. This is this is what we call 100% preparation. All that stuff. So that'll be nice. As much as I enjoy this, and I'm grateful that we're finally here. It's getting a little crazy. But before we get to the content, I just need to remind you all about the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever. 
for all the fantasy football fans out there, and I'm guessing that's most of you, there is a $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. Being a best ball tournament makes it about as easy as you could possibly get. It's really just a matter of you jump in, you draft your players, and the rest is history. No management, no trades, no waiver wires. You don't even have to set your lineup week to week, so you don't have to worry about that one time that your spouse says, hey, let's go do something, and you're like, all right, but i got to be back at this time, and I'm serious, I'm not kidding, we really need to be back, and they're like, yeah, 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 no, no, we'll be back, it's going to be fine. And then five minutes to the time that you need to be back, you haven't even left yet. And then you get mad and throw a fit, and then they look at you like, how dare you prioritize football over this family, and then you're the bad guy, and you lost out on a bunch of money, and it's the worst day of your life. You don't have to worry about that. And the good news is, and there's a lot of good news, more good news is, these drafts start every couple of minutes. So you can join kind of right around uh, now-ish. More good news, for limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you got to use promo code PACKERNET. That's a free shot at $1 million, which is the top grand prize, just by using promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code PACKERNET. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's kick this thing off with Mr. Jack in the Facebook group. I always have a hard time remembering where I left off with this, so I apologize if I skipped something. But, you know, I read all these, and then I read some of the comments, so I'm familiar with it already. So then I see it, and I'm like, I think I answered that, but I don't really know. But Jack says, hot take, Darius Shepard will outplay Kumro and take over wide receiver three. So I'm going to give my opinion But this is not me saying, no, you're dumb. This is how it's going to be. This is just, you know, if I had to put my my name down on something, where would I go with it and why? But I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, Just less than 50%. And here's my thought on why. First of all, the way I would characterize the difference between the two is that Kumaro is winning primarily with his mind, right? It's, It's... having really refined tools, right? The things that you hear about him doing are really smart. You know, Rogers with the late hands comment. There was the whole attacking the blind spot thing, which I thought I made up, and then five minutes later somebody else said it. So presumably it's a pretty common term that I wasn't aware of. And I really think Darius Shepard, I'm not saying he's a dummy. He's probably a really smart guy, but I think he's winning on talent. I just think he's a talented guy. The reason I'm leaning on Kumro, however, though, isn't necessarily because, you know, mental talent is better than physical talent, although I think you could make a case for that, especially when you look at, you know, things like 40 times and people that tear up the combine, it doesn't really necessarily translate. You have to be a good wide receiver. 
and there are other things, you know, you, you can't tell who's going to be a good wide receiver by physical testing. That's basically what I'm saying. It is a mental thing. Every single position is mental, some more than others, but still. Beyond that, though, if Darius Shepard was like a second-round pick and he was winning on, on physical talent or, or just, you know, being a good wide receiver, then okay. But he's winning on talent as a seventh-round pick in the preseason. Now, Kumaro hasn't done a ton. I, I know people don't like when I say this, but it just, what do you want me to say? He hasn't done anything in the regular season. Well, he was hurt. Okay, well, that okay, then I guess that means he's great in the regular season. What, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. But the point is, he's already got the rapport with Rodgers, and I think he's got a level of understanding of how to play wide receiver over and above a lot of wide receivers. In other words, it's not just a matter of, well, after a couple years, everybody understands how to do this stuff. That's not true. You got guys like Jamon that can't even get catching down, right? That's that's as one on one as you can get. And and for some time, and maybe Jamon will get it figured out. It happens, right? Adams had it, but some guys just don't fix that. It's not a matter of everybody learns this stuff. Some people can do it. Some people just have this this ability, and some people don't. Kumro is a technician, and I'm I'm sort of speculating. I, for all I know, Darius Shepard is a, a super genius as well. I don't know, but I'm just taking the um. I'm buying into why Kumaro is a good wide receiver over why Darius Shepard is a good wide receiver. I'm excited about both of them, but if I had to bet, I would say um, Kumaro is going to kind of hold his place. Also, I completely um, overlooked the fact that you said wide receiver three. As it stands, as far as I know, and it's still kind of up in the air, this isn't a definitive thing, but it's still Adams, MVS, Geronimo in the slot. Presumably, we're talking about the slot, so... It sounds like you're so, so now it's even easier to say I disagree because you're you're first of all saying Kumaro has already supplanted Geronimo and that Darius is going to overtake Kumaro who has already overtaken Geronimo. I I'm guessing that's kind of where you're going with this. So I don't hate that hot take because everybody already knows I like Geronimo, but I'm not quite as high on him. Relax. Also probably not quite as high on Kumaro, although I do like Kumaro. So I, I like the take, I'm just not really buying it. I do still think it's Geronimo, then Kumaro, then Shepard. And that's assuming we're all talking about the slot. We may be talking across different points here where Kumaro, they want him outside. Darius Shepard is, is the number two slot receiver, which is kind of the difference, right? We, we sometimes talk about one, two, three as though you got your X, then your Y, then your Z or whatever. It's a, no, number one wide receiver is, is technically the guy that dictates coverage. Right? It's the guy that, that ends up needing to be double teamed. Some some teams do not have a number one wide receiver, just to put it into context of what it officially means. It's not just the best receiver. If you don't have to draw extra coverage, if you don't put your shadow cover corner on this guy, or, or you, know, you, you don't feel the need to lock somebody down, you don't have a number one. The Packers do, and it's Devontae Adams, not because he's the best, but because of how talented he is. So it's not really the point, but I just felt like, that needed to be said at some point. But anyways, I like the take. I wouldn't necessarily hate it if it happened, although, well, I'm not going to go there. I, it Maybe. We'll see. Dustin says, it's only preseason. Last night was rough, but this will be very telling of our coaching staff if next week we dominate or continue to be a lackluster effort. I'm still super pumped, though. So here's sort of my, my thinking on this, because in part we have to assume. Now, the, the tackling is my one big issue because that's a fundamental thing. You're not trying out, hey, let's try tackling less good. That's not a thing. Now, there are, 
there are, there are play calls to put players in better situations, right? I think that was one of the things Vic Fangio was very good at. He had put his players in great situations to make plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, bad play calls and, and maybe even bad plays where, where guys are open, I'm not going to super worry about that in the preseason because it's not going to be that same play call and guys are going to be in different positions and, and all. They're, they're trying out different things to, to stress different players in different ways to see if they can handle this responsibility or that responsibility. That's the primary goal. Secondarily, we're trying to scheme against this, this team and win the game. We have to try out these players in different situations. Right? I need so-and-so to go on a blitz. Now is going to be that time. Go get them. In a regular season game, would I be doing that? Probably not so much, but we got to see him try it. So you got a guy that maybe isn't any good at it, but we have to try him out. In the regular season, I don't care about trying you out. You're garbage at blitzing. You're, you're, you're no good at it. We're not going to have you do whatever. So I'm less concerned with, you know, for example, dominating or being lackluster as I am with things like fundamentals. Sloppy play. One of the things I hated last week, and somebody posted a picture of Rashawn Gary kind of putting in a half-hearted effort. I saw several. I didn't see that clip. I saw several people, including Kenny Clark, do the exact same thing, and that drove me nuts. Just, just jogging to the side. And he wasn't even that far away. Kenny Clark just kind of jogging to the side. I mean, that, that just really upsets me. And it really does tie into tackling. Tackling is, is you know, it, there's a certain way to do it, but it's also an effort thing. It's, it's an aggression thing. It's a violence thing. I'm going to go get this guy. I'm going to go hit him real hard. I'm going to drill him into the ground. If you're just kind of half-heartedly playing, yeah, you're, you're just kind of throw your arms at him and throw your shoulder at him, and he's going to run right through you. It's like, oh, man, shoot. There was no effort. There's no passion, and that's a problem. And that part is a coaching part. The mentality you have going into a game, the urgency you have going into a game, and fundamentals, those are problems. So a, a lack of, of energy, a lack of effort, a lack of tackling ability, those are coaching points that I'm, I'm more concerned with than necessarily winning, losing, dominating, or whatever. Dustin posted a comment immediately after that. Um, said 15 guys were inactive, a couple other things, but then he says there was a funk around him last night. Uh, could have just been one of those games, and I, I think that's the case. However, one of those games is kind of ridiculous when we're talking about the NFL, especially when we're talking about the second game that you're playing, especially when we're talking about, especially, 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 a rookie or a, or a person that hasn't played yet or a person trying to make the team. But the NFL in general, you're playing 16 games, 20 in the preseason. You can't afford to have a, just one of those games where you just, eh, I'm not going to show up on this one. No, you're showing up on all of them, bub. This isn't baseball. Like, look, man, I've already put in like a hundred of these things. I'm taking a day off. You've put in one. You don't get a day off. Sorry. Actually, you do. You get lots of days off. It's called the entire week until your next game. You know, minus that hour where you go out and run around and practice. Day off. I swear. Uh, Dustin jumps back in, says, not on board with getting rid of Graham yet. Everyone is still learning the scheme, and I still think we're better with Graham right now than we are without him. Lewis and Sternberger haven't shown anything, and Tanyan isn't lighting the world on fire. It's going to be a different story with 12 under the center. Will he be elite? Don't know yet, but he will be better than Kaiser and Boyle. So my issue is several things. Number one, he is still learning the scheme. However, last year is sort of a problem because it points to a guy that isn't playing very well and then this year comes around and he's still not playing very well um the the second point of well he hasn't played with Rodgers yet again he did last year it didn't go very well he does in training camp and even that's not going even as well as it did last year um another point would be it seems to be an attitude issue he doesn't act like he wants to be here he doesn't seem happy to be here 
this seems exactly like a guy who doesn't want to play but can't turn down, you know, the $10 million he's getting paid, right? If, 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 if I had my choice, I wouldn't be playing here, but it's a lot of money, so I guess I'll just do whatever. That's the vibe you get from Jimmy Graham. There's, there's no excitement. There's no anything. It's just, just moping around. And I mean, we're, we're talking, it's, it's, it's hard to call it a scheme thing when the guy just shows no effort and can't even catch passes and runs lazy routes. And, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. And, and beyond all of that, you know, Robert Tanya isn't setting the world on fire, but he's better than Jimmy Graham, who's averaging what, $10 million a year. No, sorry. You are not worth, I don't know if you're worth $3 million, much less whatever it is we're paying you on the cap this year or in cash this year. I know it's not 10, but the the value equation, even if we weren't talking about value, it's iffy whether or not I'm keeping Jimmy Graham. Like if, if, if Jimmy Graham came in as just a, a, let's call him an undrafted free agent, would we keep him? We're talking about an undrafted free agent making less than a million dollars. I don't know if we keep him. You talk about the amount of money we're paying him now? To come out and not even be better than um, than Tanyan, who, as you correctly pointed out, is not lighting the world on fire and probably won't because he's not that talented. He's not a Jimmy Graham talent. He's not a Travis Kelsey talent. He's not a, jeez, I mean, he, he, he's mediocre at best. And Jimmy Graham is not as good as him. And we're going to pay him more than any other tight end in the NFL. No, man, you're out of here. I'm sorry. And, and, you know, I understand, I also understand the point of, well, you know, what are you going to do with the Who cares? Anything. Give it to Kenny Clark. Give it to David Bakhtiari. Give it to anybody. I don't want Jimmy Graham to have it. I mean, no, I don't want to just cut him just to cut him and then just sit on the money and do nothing with it. But the fact of the matter is we're going to use that money. And we're also going to need that money. I don't want it going to Jimmy Graham. Unless he can step up, like, now. Which is mean, which means change the attitude, get open, catch the passes. Because I'm just, I, I don't get it. Why? Other than the fact that Brian Gutekunst decided to make a big move and pay a ton of money and wants to save face, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, if this was a Ted Thompson move and, and Brian Gutekunst just walked into this, I have to assume he'd already be gone by now. And understand, last year I was, I was banging the drum about as loud, maybe louder than anyone else. One of my, one of my bold predictions was Jimmy Graham not only was he going to dominate in the red zone but he was going to surprise people between the 20s wow was I wrong and now you got people this year kind of doing the same thing I did last year and, and you know I'm, I'm very much a fool me once kind of person I get excited about you and then you make me look dumb and I'm done with you and again he's not even putting out the same amount of of anything as he did last year Last year it was, oh man, they're already in sync, Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham, man. It looks, it's a great connection already in training camp, boy. They already getting touchdowns. They're tearing it up, and 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 this is also why I don't like when when people get excited because Rodgers likes a guy because Rodgers was pumping him up so much. Oh, it's already, it's great. The knowledge he has, and we've already got a great relationship, and all this, and it was just garbage. There was no relationship. There's nothing between you two. That's why when I hear, oh, I don't know, Rodgers really likes this guy. I don't care. He liked Martellus Bennett. He liked Jimmy Graham. They were in, in 
both of those guys were in sync during the training camp, and it was going to be this dominant thing, and it was going to be awesome, and both times it was nothing. This is year three of playing that exact same game all over again. Year four, if we want to go back to Jared Cook. Year 17, if we want to go back to every 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 single tight end that we've ever had on this team ever, and there's always somebody to be excited about, except for a little bit of a dark period where Richard Rodgers was basically our top tight end, and we didn't bring anybody else in. In which case, we just knew, and nobody was really hyping up Richard Rodgers, because after four years, we finally gave that up. So, you know, is it impossible? No, but I'm just, I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm done playing this tight end game. Even I got high, you know, Jay Sternberg. Oh, there we go. Here's our guy. I, 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 even I can't stop and help myself. I should know better. I should just know better. Anyways, I'm, I'm st- I am still excited about Sternberger. I do like Sternberger. I think it might take some time. I do think Tanyan's going to be our, our most productive tight end, and no, I'm not super excited about that. And I don't mean that to sound super negative about Tanyan. Again, I like him, but, you know, I, I guess I put him in this in the Geronimo category. He's he's fine. I don't mind that he's a starter. He's going to be productive. He's going to have his, his things here and there. But he, he's just, to say he's, I don't know, he's replaceable, bottom line. Todd says, why aren't more people talking about Alan Lazard? 6'5", 227, runs 4'5", 540, 38-inch vert, 122 broad jump, has shown speed, good routes, nice hands. Not sure if he can block, but Ryan, can we keep him as a wide receiver tight end hybrid, please? Um, I, you know, the reason I haven't really been talking about him is because despite all of those measurables, where did he get drafted? Despite all of those measurables, what did he do last year? As far as I'm concerned, once you get in, you're just a guy, and all you are is what you've put on film. And fortunately for him, he seems to have turned a corner, and he seems to be doing something. And right, he again, as I said yesterday, he was the highest graded Packer um, in the preseason week two. So that's cool. He's got a lot of competition. Um, you know, I, I it wasn't very long ago I remember how absolutely psychotic Packer fans were about Michael Clark. Remember, six foot six, he's going to be so good because he's tall. That whole thing. He was going to be a wide receiver tight end hybrid too. And everybody went nuts about him despite him not doing anything. And I, on this podcast, was sitting here going, I don't get it. I don't know what you guys are all freaking out about. He's just a tall guy. Hasn't done anything. And again, Lazard has started to do things, and that's awesome. But I I tend to look at it from the opposite perspective. Same thing happened with Marquez. And I'm not saying anything negative about Marquez, but people look at his, his height and his speed and all these great things, and it's like, yeah, then why was he drafted so late? Right? I mean, explain that to me. Because these are awesome measurables. Why in the world would he be drafted so late? There's a problem here. And again, there's being a good receiver, and then there's having measurables. They're not the same thing. They're not diametrically opposed necessarily, but they're also not the same thing. Being a good wide receiver is the number one priority. If you happen to have great measurables, size, speed, whatever, that's cool. And sometimes the measurables can help you with the, the goal of being a good receiver. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And again, just like nobody cares is the bottom line. Six, he could be six foot nine, running a 4.25. He needs to be a better wide receiver than Shepard, than than you know, whoever else it is he's competing with on the bubble. He just has to be a better wide receiver. And again, he was. So I guess what I'm saying is the reason I'm excited about Lazard is because of what he's done the last couple of weeks. I don't really care about the measurables. I'm kind of moving past that. Same thing with Marquez. Marquez, Equinemius has great measurables. He's really tall and he's pretty fast. Geronimo does not have very good measurables. He's very lean, not super fast. I think he's like a 4-5 guy. I mean, why don't we just put Lazard in front of Ger- Because it's not about that. It's about being a better wide receiver. 
So I get excited about measurables. Fans tend to get excited about measurables, but we, at the end of the day, we have to just put that behind us, right? That might be a reason you get drafted. That has nothing to do with you winning a roster spot. You being a productive wide receiver that knows where to be, when to be, how to be, that's going to get you a roster spot. So again, forget the measurables, throw that in the trash. It's all about being productive, being intelligent, making good decisions, running good routes, having good hands, right? When, when I call a play, do you know what I'm telling you to do and can you do it? I don't care if you're three inches taller than another wide receiver. I just don't care. There's a lot of nuance and a lot of stuff going on and you need to be ready to play. So now if he makes the team, he, he can add another dynamic. And that's cool. Same with Marquez, right? Because he proved to be a good wide receiver, now we've got another level. Now we've got a guy that's got speed, and that opens up the playbook, and it's, it's, it's awesome, right? But you still have to cross that threshold of being a good wide receiver. That is always going to be the first question. And if you can't cross that threshold, I don't care, again, if you're 6'9", running a 4-2-5. Literally. If you are a garbage wide receiver, but you're six nine running a four two five, there isn't a single team that'll touch you. Maybe they'll pick you up, but then you're just going to get cut again, right? People will be enamored by it. They'll pick you up to see. Let's see if we can coach him up. Let's see. We got to try him, and he might bounce around a lot because people are enamored. But he's not going to get a job because he can't play wide receiver. So them's my thoughts. I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful that he can kind of continue what he's been doing, which is showing growth from his uh, first year with the Packers, where he just. You know, he didn't produce into his second year where it seems like he's he's turning a corner and he's starting to figure stuff out. Chris says, I'm cheering for Mason Crosby because if he gets cut, he'll probably be signed by Chicago. And really, that's, that's absolutely true. Not only do I think he's a better kicker than Ficken, not only do I think that people are overreacting to last year, and he, he did have some bad games and he had some bad kicks. It's not the first time, probably won't be the last time. But also remember, the guy doesn't have a great long snapper. The guy that we drafted to be a long snapper really struggled. Also, uh, J.K. Scott, it was his first year as a holder. But yes, in addition to all those those facts, and, and also in addition to the fact that we've seen several times teams say he's overpriced and we want to get rid of him and move on, and then just things go into an absolute tailspin. We've seen it with the Vikings. We've seen it with the Bears. We've seen it with just about every team that's decided, eh, we're moving on. They can't find anybody else, and the guy that they thought was going to be able to step in and do it is garbage. But beyond that, one of those super, super desperate teams, and it might not even be Chicago because there's a bunch of teams out there that are super desperate to find a talented kicker, but yeah, the Bears are probably going to sign Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby is going to be a better kicker than Ficken, and we're going to have to hear and see that constantly, and and, and then you're going to have Packer fans freak out and say Gutekunst is dumb, despite the fact that you know probably 55% of Packer fans are ready to move on, and I don't understand that. Uh, Josh says maybe Graham would be a better uh, tight ends coach. He lost several steps, but still has a massive experience and might help in the locker room. Maybe, but you know, in a, I'm not exactly an FBI body language expert, but um, I think Billy is on to something in the comments here saying he needs to just move on to his true love, which is being a pilot. Again, I, it just, he feels like a guy that's ready to just walk away, right? Like I'm here because I want this money. But I'm excited for the time when everybody says I'm washed up and they stop paying me because I just, I can't say no to the money, but I don't want to be here. Right? It's pretty similar to Martellus, actually. Martell, I don't think Martellus wanted to play football anymore. He's just kind of done with it. He's not going to say no to the money, but he's like, dude, I don't want to do this. And now he's at home eating weed brownies for lunch. Just living, living the dream. Not my dream, but, you know, his apparently. That and, uh, you know, having a company for kids, but whatever. I'm sure it fits somehow. Probably came up with that idea after eating a batch of brownies. 
But yeah, I, you know, maybe. I just don't think he wants to. We'll see what happens. I would definitely not be opposed to it. Um, although, part of being a tight end is knowing how to block, and I don't know how much he could offer there. <laughs> and then also, also, a lot of his talent is sort of natural talent. But, you know, I'm sure the, the whole boxing out thing, that's, that's, a, that's a thing you can coach up, right? You can teach people that. I don't know. It's not going to happen. Uh, why don't we take a break, and uh, we'll get right back into what we're doing here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Ernie does a little bit of a, a redraft here, and I should—I actually should do this. And I'll, what what I could do is just do a redraft based based on how people are doing in the the preseason so far. Could almost do that once a week just to kind of stay on top of it, just as a fun little thing, whatever. But anyways, he, so he goes through, and here are his picks, and he wants my thoughts. So the the first pick, presumably at twelve, we're taking Chris Lindstrom. So right off the bat, the biggest issue is I kind of like the way our offensive line is going, and I think you know, as I said, Elton Jenkins is one of the top pass blockers in the preseason right now. So I feel like if this was a redraft and we had taken Chris Lindstrom, this would almost be the opposite where I'd look at it and go, man, we should have just gotten Elton Jenkins in the second round because he's tearing it up right now. Chris Lindstrom, by the way, has played three preseason games already because he was in the Hall of Fame game. He was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so far in the Hall of Fame game, he was great as a pass blocker. Um, 80 overall grade is very good. Not anywhere near where Elton Jenkins has been getting up in the high 80s. Um, and then was a below-average run blocker. Uh, week one, he had a seven pass blocking grade, a seven. I mean, you've heard how much I flip out over twenties. Very, 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 extremely rarely will you see a single digit. He had single digits. And then uh, week three was average. So overall, right now, he's got a, a 56.8 overall grade, 48.5 as a pass blocker, 58.5 as a run blocker. Of course, it's preseason, but you're asking my opinion as of right now. Um, Elton Jenkins in the second round is way better than Chris Lindstrom in the first. Uh, with the second first-round pick, he had the Packers taking Juan Thornhill. Now, he's still got both fourth-round picks, so this is, uh, in other words, instead of giving away two fourth-round picks and moving up to get uh, Savage, we're going to stay and get Juan Thornhill. He's only played one week, and he played pretty well. Coverage was mediocre, run defense was mediocre, but his tackling was through the roof. Um, suppose the issue would be 25 of his 33 snaps came in coverage, and again, his coverage was mediocre. But compared to Savage, and also when you factor in we're keeping two fourth-round picks, you know, I'll, I'll give you this one so far, sure. The first pick in the second round, you got David Montgomery. The problem is, as much as I would love it at the time, I think he went in the fourth round. Now, I know maybe you want to use these fourth-round picks for other stuff, but taking a running back in the early second round when we know ahead of time that he's not going to go until the fourth I'm just you know no uh third round Chase Winovich 
obviously I can't really be super against that so far. He's only played in one game. He's got two sacks and two hurries in one game. 21 total snaps. I think Rashawn Gary's playing more than 21 snaps per game, meaning he's sitting at about, what, maybe 50 snaps. And Chase Winovich for the Patriots with half the amount of snaps, probably less than half, already has two sacks and two hurries, which is one hurry and two sacks more than Rashawn has. Not panicking. I'm just saying I can't be against the Chase Winovich pick considering. Uh, first fourth round pick, you got Kingsley Kiki, so cool. Then the nor- next fourth round pick is Caden Smith, who was actually taken in the sixth round. Um, he's only so far caught one pass for 17 yards, so it's kind of hard to get a read on that. I'm, I mean, I'm good with my guy, so, you know, whatever. In the fifth round, he's got Easton Stick, the quarterback out of NDSU. Can't hate it, considering the, the problems we're having right now. Um, again, Easton has only played in the first week, similar to a lot of these other guys. He was um, 7 of 11, 63.6% for 78 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. NFL passer rating of 46.8. So should we have maybe grabbed a quarterback? Yeah, maybe. Should it be Easton Stick? Eh, remains to be seen. Sixth round, we're sticking with Kadar, which is a good call. And then uh, the second sixth round pick, Dennis DeLay tackle. Sorry, Dennis Daly. Um, and for reference, you have him listed as a tackle. They've got him playing guard right now. And uh, he's not doing too well. And again, I'm, I'm kind of good with our offensive line. So, you know, I, I think the best part about this would probably be the Juan Thornhill thing, which is nothing against Savage, but keeping both fourth-round picks and taking Juan Thornhill um, would be pretty ideal. And then obviously Chase Winovich in the third, it's hard to argue against that, again, considering he's played in one game and has two sacks and two hurries, which is pretty crazy. Oh, also, and then he's got Ty Summers at seven. So, I don't know. We'll see. But appreciate the work. That was, that was fun. I want to try that sometime. Uh, Chris says a few positive thoughts about yesterday. Number one, about the run game, I believe the Packers have a very complex playbook, and even those players who have seen it since day one are probably still trying to learn it. With injuries starting uh, to starting running back Jones, Williams, and Vitali, we're recent uh, we're using recently signed plugins who have had almost no time to learn the playbook. Tommy Bohannon, who played much of the game, had two days to learn the playbook. I definitely can understand the inefficiency in the run game. The the two biggest problems I have with what happened in the run game yesterday. Number one is the offensive line was was horrible. So maybe we can continue with this line of of thinking and say, well, the offensive line is learning this style of run blocking. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, but it was terrible. The the maybe bigger issue for me is the fact that it seems like everybody went backwards. The run blocking got worse. Both running backs, Dexter and Trey Carson, got worse. So that would be my biggest issue and counterpoint to that. Although, yes, agreed in general. Uh, number His point number two, we ripped Rashawn Gary, Tim Boyle, Deshaun Kaiser, Ty Summers, and Dexter Williams, but these guys are all rookies or youngsters, with Boyle and Kaiser having only one or two years of experience, respectively. Yeah, Rashawn Gary needs more time, and, and we've already heard from, uh, I believe it was Pettin, I'm not sure. But essentially, point number one of Pettin was we're switching his position, so he has to learn a new position. And number two, we're throwing everything at him, which is not what we're going to do when the season starts. We're going to narrow it down give him like one really one thing he's really good at to do and then build on that which means this is going to take time so he's going to be doing things in which he dominates which may not be getting sacks it may be you know stopping the run blowing up this that or the other maybe he's going to come in on short yardage I don't really know but then he's going to be slowly adding on that so you're really good at this we're going to hone it we're going to practice it we're going to get it down now we're going to add this next layer I want you to work on this you know so yes Rashawn Gary is going to take time and, and they even said they knew that this was going to be a bit of a project um, Tim Boyle I just, I don't think he has, I don't think he has it. 
So I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily an experience thing. I just don't think he's ever really going to be the kind of guy that if your quarterback goes down, you'll be all right. Uh, same same potentially for Deshaun Kaiser. I had hoped for him, you know, because of the talent that he has or, or where he was drafted. Seemingly there was the potential for him to be a starting quarterback, but it, it it's not looking great. Ty Summers, I'm definitely not panicking. He needs more time. Dexter Williams needs more time. So those are my thoughts on each of those players. And then his third point was last night's game was a Crawford pick six away from being 23-20. It's very true. I, I generally don't really even care about wins and losses. I mean, I know generally wins are a culmination of, of good plays and good decisions and, and losses or vice versa. But I really i am not interested. And I know a lot of fans watch it and it's like, we want the Packers to win. I don't care about winning. I care about good execution. And if all the right players are doing the right things and, and certain players are blowing it, some guy that's not going to make the, the, the um, you know, rouse the house or whatever is, is the one that blew the play to lose the game, I'm not worried about the loss and I'm not worried about him because he's not going to be on the team anyways. Right? If, if Jair gets a pick and, and, and Rousey, whatever, loses us the game, that was a pretty good series of events that just took place. Because, you know, Jair is the guy that I'm worried about and he just did something awesome and awesome. Wins and losses don't really mean anything to me in the preseason. Speaking of not caring about wins and losses, Dustin says, Just a heads up, the Bears are 0-2 and lost to the Giants. We're 1-1 and played two playoff teams from last year. I know he's joking, and that's funny. And it is technically true, so there you go. Plus, I know Bears fans are, are just... There's a lot of them that are probably freaking out about it, so that is something to be gleeful about. They shouldn't freak out, because it doesn't matter, but the fact that they are freaking out that they're 0-2, it's kind of kind of special. Ed says the people that are talking bad about rookies are the same that thought Devontae was a bust. Like, whatever happened to just being a fan and watching the game, enjoy being the only team the fans own. So just as sort of an aside, I and I've used it myself, I try not to. I don't really like the whole, the people who do this are the same people that do this. How do you know that? You, you don't know that. They, they, I mean, they could be very different people. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing. It's like a weird way to win an argument. Like, I know you're wrong because you were also wrong about this, even though I have no idea if you also thought that. But I'm going to say that you did, and then assume that those two things are related in any kind of way whatsoever. Therefore, I'm, I don't know, it's just, it's a weird thing, I don't know. But I'm sure there is some overlap, because generally we're talking about, what, pessimistic people. And there are some people that are just super pessimistic. It's usually the people who are, in all fairness, very, very big Packer fans, but just have very little control over their emotions, right? I expect the Packers to be dominant. I want the Packers to come out and just dominate week one of preseason. We didn't. Some people didn't look great. I'm going to overreact to that because I'm super, super hyped, and I, I have this image built up in my mind that the Packers are going to be great, and they're not, and I just devolve into chaos. And I can identify with that because I used to be that person, primarily when I was younger, which I think a lot of these you know, people that flip out on Twitter are probably younger. Younger guys with enough testosterone to take on a Viking horde but, uh, you know, have the emotional maturity of my three-year-old daughter. It's not a great combination. But that's sort of where I come into agreement with Ed with the whole point of what, whatever happened to just being a fan and watching the game, enjoy being the only team the fans own. I just just enjoy it. I mean, there, there's going to come a time for being upset. Unless the Packers win the Super Bowl, which we all should acknowledge is probably not going to happen. Hopefully it does, but, I mean, the odds are pretty stacked for all teams. But unless we win the Super Bowl, there's going to be a time at which we can definitively say, this is a disappointment. <laughs> that wasn't very good. This isn't that time, right? You know, I mean, stuff does need to get better. It needs to get better for all 32 teams. Everybody's undisciplined. Nobody knows what they're doing. And that's going to carry on into September. I've said this a thousand times. I'm, I'm going to be doing the same song and dance, the same routine basically all year. 
When it's training camp, I say it's just training camp, just wait. And then we get into preseason, and it's just preseason, just wait. Then we get into September, and it's going to be sloppy, and I'm going to be saying, listen, it was bad, it needs to be better, but it's September football, they're going to get better, be patient. And again, it's, it's going to be that way up until we get to the point of getting into the playoffs, at which point there are no more excuses. There is no, you know, now is the time when you have to be at your best form. And sometimes that comes earlier for some teams where it's, you know, if you're in must-win territory, then now is the time. But really, literally up until that point, you know, look at the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl. They were not a very good team until they got into must-win territory. Suddenly something clicked and they were dominant we won the Super Bowl. And all the stuff prior to that, being terrible all throughout the season and undisciplined, and I'm sure the preseason looked bad and September looked bad and October and November looked bad, but it, it all clicked at the exact right time, and that's the only time that mattered. So, I mean, if, if you want to be upset, that's fine. If you want things to be better, that's fine. But there are some people that need to relax a little bit. I mean, the guy that I got into it with two weeks ago about Rashawn Gary, I keep seeing him pop up. He is just on a one-man absolute tirade to make sure everybody knows that he hates Rashawn Gary and that Rashawn Gary's a bust. I'm literally to the point right now where I want Rashawn Gary to be successful just for the sake of throwing it back in that guy's face. Because he just needs to relax. It's just it's such a miserable way to be. Don't be like that. To be that angry and to, to expend that much energy to hating somebody who is a Green Bay Packer. I'm not always the nicest, but I don't hate anybody. I'm, I'm glad everybody that we have is on the team. I'm just calling it how I see it. If I think somebody's a good player, I'm going to say they're a good player. If I don't think they're a good player, it's... I don't think they're a good player. And if they are, that's awesome. I was wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong. That's it. That's just, I don't know. I feel like that's a fair way to do things. Uh, Mark says, if we have so much excess value at wide receiver, isn't it time we trade some of it, hopefully for a backup quarterback? Who's needy at receiver? Uh, The Giants are very needy at receiver right now. Um, I know the the two teams that come to mind, well, okay, the... The Titans, I think, need some help. I know they've got a, a, a true number one. I'm not sure outside of that, though. The Redskins have in the past, but I, I can't remember what they did in the draft. The Carolina Panthers have always hated their wide receivers, but I think they got somebody in the draft. But there's also something else to to keep in mind. We like guys like Darius Shepard and Alan Lazard, and they've had a, a little bit of success. But I, I really don't think you can have you know, two good training camps and one good preseason, and you know we're going to be able to trade a, a quality quarterback for it. I don't think other teams are going to value that super highly. There are talented wide receivers all around the league right now. I mean, just, just looking at it, I mean, Nikhil Harry is the, the highest-graded wide receiver. Adam Humphreys, Lil' Jordan Humphrey, another rookie. Um, and these, these guys are all elite, by the way. James Washington for Pittsburgh in his second year. You know, maybe Pittsburgh could trade some of their talent because they've got two elite wide receivers right now. Uh, Jazz Ferguson, another guy that's a rookie. I mean, a- Alan Lazard as good as he was this past year, is 19th on this list. Spencer Schnell, guy I've never heard of in my life, is 13th. Is Tampa Bay going to be able to trade Spencer Schnell for somebody? Probably not. How about Cody Hollister, Tennessee, 11th on the list. Who is Cody Hollister? Is he even going to start? Probably not. Is he going to be worth anything in a trade? Probably not. And by the way, this this front page here goes on to the top 50. Alan Lazard is the only wide receiver that we have in the top 50 right now for the preseason, the only one. So our perception of being excited that guys like that, uh, you know, Trevor Davis are stepping up and Darius Shepard is stepping up and Alan Lazard had a good game. We're excited about it, but in, in the grand scheme of things, in a league where there are just 
dozens upon dozens of wide receivers that are going out trying to win teams and there's every team has got pro personnel that are out looking at all the other teams there's a lot of guys out there that have some talent and beyond that there's a lot of these talented guys that are going to end up getting cut and they know it they know that they don't need to trade for the Packers because we're going to be cutting some of them and if we don't there's 30 well 30 other teams minus the Packers and themselves that are going to be cutting talent so why am I going to trade you for anybody I'm going to wait for these guys to get cut and then swoop in and pick some people up. Now, maybe if we can find something super beneficial and and mutual, like I really want that right receiver and you really want my quarterback, rather than let's just cut and and hope that we can, let's let's just do the exchange. But I think a lot of teams are are really just going to wait around and see who gets cut, try to swoop in and grab some people. Beyond that, other teams are in kind of a tough situation as us to where we're going to have a hard time getting down to 53. In other words, you know, imagine being a team that says we're not only going to go down to 53, we're going to go down to 52 because we want to be able to pick some people up or 51 or whatever. That makes it even harder. I think the priority for most teams is just trying to figure out how to retain their own. Although I do agree with you, if, if there is something that's super beneficial, let's let's try to get it done. But I just don't know how much value other teams are putting in our wide receivers. Maybe if we want to give up a guy like Equinemius because, he's, you know, he, he showed a decent amount last year. And the fact that he was drafted relatively highly and his his plus size and, and athleticism and things of that nature. Maybe you can get somebody that's super enamored with him, a GM that really liked him and really wanted to draft him, although he slid in the draft, so obviously he wasn't as, as, as desirable as we all thought. So bottom line is I, I agree with the general premise. I just I don't think that's going to happen. I think there are a ton of obstacles in the way. But anyways, I think I'm going to cut it off there. we got plenty more to go. We'll, uh, we'll lead off with Phil next time, but uh, got to get the day started here. Go enjoy this thunderstorm a little bit. Hope you folks enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.